Midlife Moxie. We are a community and podcast all about midlife women making this one of the best seasons of their lives. Well, I'm one of your hosts, Gail. And I'm Christina. We're going to be sharing our stories, struggles, and joys while bringing you experts on topics that you care about. And we're going to do it while having a whole lot of fun. So buckle up, girls. Let's get our Moxie on. Well, hey, Christina, how are things in California today? Well, it's a little gloomy, but you know what? It's all good because spring is here. California so, is gloomy. I'm yeah, so discouraged. <laughs> it's beautiful in South Carolina, and we have a beautiful guest today. And I met this lady recently, and I'm so impressed by her. She runs Casa de Confidence. And you know, I think confidence is something a lot of us lack, but mm. we're really not going to talk about the confidence part per se. We're going to talk about some of those things that can help us get there. I'm excited about that, aren't you? I I really am. You know, when we spoke to her about what our topic was going to be, I got very excited because I don't know about you, Gail, but I get excited about habits and how to create them and how to continue with them. And I really believe that it breeds confidence. So you get excited about a lot of things. I especially like a new, (laughs) like a new technique, a new planner. She's such an Enneagram seven. I do. I think a lot of us that are into self-growth, anything that we see that works for other people, I think that's fair. We get excited because it's a way to tune ourselves up and to be better. It's not always throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Maybe if you just learn something new. So we're going to welcome today, Julie DeLuca Collins. Hi, Julie. Hi, ladies. Christina and Gail, what a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. We'll see if you feel that way at the end. <laughs> I I have hung out with you many a times in Clubhouse and I always feel uh excited to be around you because you exude oh. great energy. And Christina, I'm an Enneagram seven also, so we, oh my goodness. We, we, we uh, share okay. a we're, lot in common already. Yes, Julie, we're vibing. It's good. It's all good. <laughs> so and it's up to me you to know, keep the train it, on the track today, I see. Well, well, this doesn't surprise me that you went into something like this because I think that the Enneagram 7s really want to um, narrow our options and keep our minds focused. Narrow your what- options? Are you kidding me? <laughs> we, well, well, because truly to the core, when we have so many options, it gets overwhelming. But y'all love but something can- new. Yes, we do. We do. We definitely do. <laughs> well, so, Julie. I- I'm excited. Julie's company Good. is Go Confident coaching. Did I get that right? Confident Go or confidently? confidently coaching. It's, Go it's confidently perfect. coaching. Yeah. She's a business and life strategy coach. But the main thing we want to talk to her about today is she is a certified tiny habits coach. And if mm. you don't know about tiny habits, there's a book by Dr. BJ Fogg. And I'm just going to tell you, this habits, it, this is a big category because when I went to get that book, I wound up downloading the wrong book first. So there was like, Tiny habits, micro habits, any weeny habits, it seemed like this. So <laughs> habits is a big topic. Um, but, you know, I see this a lot. I've worked with women for 27 years. Christine's been working with women for a mm-hmm. long time. And, you know, it all comes down to that daily. What do you mm-hmm. do daily? Mm-hmm. Because people want to accomplish big goals. And they set a time period. And at the end of the time period, they've done nothing any difference because the daily didn't change. So, Julie. Tell us how you became a tiny habits Mm. coach. Like what led you down this journey? I love this conversation. Um, I have to tell you that it's not the only certification I have as a coach, but uh, I got other certifications, but I felt that there was a piece missing for me. I Mm. felt that I'm very good at making a plan. I am very good at setting goals. I know about smart goals. I can break Mm -hmm. them down. But that consistency and that motivation at times, like you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, wah, wah, I don't, you know, feel like doing the thing. Or, Mm -hmm. 
you know, there's times in which, again, as an Enneagram 7, I'm like, oh, shiny stuff over there. (laughs) And we get really sidetracked. And then we come back. And I found this not only in myself, but I found this in a lot of my clients that when you don't do the thing, when you don't show up, when you're not accomplishing, and I'm, I'm a very high achiever and mm-hmm. I, I'm into like, oh, what's next? Let me shine, you know, take mm-hmm. it on another project. And when I don't achieve what I've set out to do and I don't meet those goals, then I would go into this like, oh my God, terrible. And then you start, your brain is negative to begin with, Right. of your thoughts are going to be negative throughout the day. And then I go into the spiral like, oh, I'm terrible. I suck. Oh, my gosh. And Mm -hmm. all these things. And then when you feel bad, then your action is not to do the work, right? Or not show up. And you go into this spiral. And what I found is that I needed to change something. And I've been very good at creating some great habits. But for whatever reason... Some of them didn't stick. And then I I read, like most people, Atomic Habits. I read Mm -hmm. other books, The Power of Habit, and they're great books. And then I heard Dr. Fogg in uh, Clubhouse, which we love the platform, and that's how we met. But I heard Dr. Fogg, and then all of a sudden, it started to like, well, okay, click. Because, you know, the one difference between him and other people that have written habit books, and you alluded that there's lots of habit books, um, is that he has been, he is a PhD researcher and he is the founder of the Behavioral Lab in Stanford University. He has been researching habits his whole entire life. And one of the things that he notices is that habitual behavior happens not because we have motivation, but habits come to pass because we feel good. And if we can create just a small step and celebrate it, our brain's like, oh, look at me, I did that good. And then it starts to automate the process. The other thing is you have to pair your habit with something that you already are doing, that you're automated. And all of a sudden, these pieces started to click for me. And I thought, oh, let me try that. Oh, let me try that. And I started to see that I was able to start to do the things that I wanted to do. So immediately when he he's offered from the Tiny Habits Academy the certification, I decided mm-hmm. to go through it. Not because it would make me a great coach, but because it would make me a better person for myself. And I knew that those were areas that I needed to improve in my life. So that's why I got the certification. And I have to tell you that um, it has been definitely life-changing understanding the behavior. Underst- and, yeah. and this is so fascinating, right? Why I'm do we do the things that we do? Face. She's about to yeah, die. I'm, She's like I'm salivating. I am. So so tell me, give us an example. Give, an, give us yeah. an example of what was one of the habits that yeah. you were like, okay, I, I got this. Cause you said it clicked and I'm, I'm over here going, okay, I need to read this book. Yeah. Clearly. So, you know what I'm over here thinking? The only <laughs> the habits that click for me are the bad ones. Like eating cupcakes. Oh, that, like she talked mm-hmm. about habits come to pass because we feel good. I feel good when I eat a cupcake. I don't feel good <laughs> oh, later. Oh, sure. I, I, mean, I, I feel, feel good, good when I eat a cupcake, cupcake too. So. Don't take me wrong. But you My know, cause the and effect habits, is um, whack. It, 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 it's yeah, awesome. It's, <laughs> the tiny habits framework actually also works for stopping some of the things that we don't want to do as well, which is very interesting. And that's the other thing because I do have programming. And again, you can't just change programming overnight. You have to be able to, um, you have to have the desire to change. So I'll give you an example. Before the pandemic, um, I had embarked, and and of course I've been in this journey my whole life, but really buckled down into it, um, into losing weight, being healthy, and not because I wanted to fit into a size two or size zero jeans, but because I'm getting older. I wanted to Mm -hmm. just grow welderly, not elderly. I wanted to Ooh, have a thriving life. Well I am someone that loves I love that term. Yeah, yeah we're, we're writing that down. Okay, perfect. <laughs> uh, I I love, and I can't take credit for it. I have a friend that told me that uh, we were talking about the different things that I wanted for my life, and I said I just don't want to be old. I just don't want to be that decrepit person. I want to be climbing I'm some big old mountain, and number, having an adventure. But I don't want to act old. Yeah, for sure. That's, That's not how I want to be. And and I want to be well. I want to be able to 
this is, I don't know if, if you can identify. I, I want to be the person that can go to the toilet and get up. Yes, of course. Help, yes, that, that's me. I want to yes. make it there too. Go, I want to make yeah, it right. before or, the explosion. I want to make it. Yeah, <laughs> right. for sure. Right, and, and that's what I wanted. So I was in this track, and I was I, you know, patting myself in the back. I was going to the gym every day. I was eating healthy. I lost forty five, almost fifty pounds. Good job. And then pandemic hit, and all mm. these things happened to all of us, and I reverted to old habits. I reverted to eating poorly, not planning my food, not drinking my water. And then I realized that, okay, I need to, or not working out for that matter too, because I wasn't going to the gym. So I started deciding like, okay, what is the first thing that I can do? Why don't I do some like low hanging fruit? Mm. I used to drink 120 ounces of water daily. What happened to that? And I would do it even when I was driving around and being outside of my home. And now I had no excuse. I was home. The water bottle was sitting here. So as I read the book, I realized that you have to find an anchor moment for yourself. You have to find that moment that triggers mm. you to do the behavior. And the behavior has to be tiny. The behavior can't be like, oh, I'm going to drink this whole bottle. So my behavior and the thing that I do every single morning when I get up is well, I go to the bathroom, but when I come downstairs, <laughs> I have to let my dogs out. There's mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, I'd have a mess in my house, so I'd have to let them out. And my back door is next to my kitchen sink. So when I let the dogs out, that's my anchor moment, I fill my water bottle. So it's not about like, oh, I'm going to start drinking it and how much, let me track how much I've drank, but just that moment. And that's the basic Number one thing that I'm going for. I am not looking to, you know, how fast or whatever. And when you, so the framework is you have an anchor moment, letting the dogs out, you do the behavior that has to be tiny, which is I fill my water bottle. And then the last thing that really solidifies the tiny habit is you celebrate it. So immediately, and this is where people really struggle with this because they're like, what? Celebrate? What does that mean? I feel awkward. I don't know. What do I do? So the basic celebration for me is I tell myself, good job, Julie. You did it. And that small, tiny thing of celebrating myself and acknowledging that I did something is great. And you know what? By the end of the day, I and and of course I've I've created other tiny anchor moments, right? Every time I go to the bathroom, I come back and I drink a whole glass of water. So I'm dwindling that bottle. So the anchor moment is going to the bathroom, drinking water, celebrating, and throughout the day. And at the end of the day, I go back and I look at that I have been successful. Again, habits. In our ability to change our behavior happens because we feel good. So in the days that maybe I fill my water bottle and I left it in the kitchen and I didn't drink my water, I am still successful. I, I was only going for that bottom minimum baseline of filling the water bottle. So I'm never failing and I'm never beating myself up over the behavior. I am never feeling like I didn't do it because I'm really going for that small, tiny Okay. Thing. We've got and lots that's, to that's unpack the here. Big example. Yeah, let's unpack it. Here's because I want to really take this apart in a way that our listeners, we make sure mm -hmm. they hear what's mm -hmm. being said and what's not being said. And sometimes you have to take it apart and do the comparative. And I think a lot of us, when we start on a new goal, we get in this zero to 500. We're going mm. to yes. stop eating everything bad, or we're going to drink 153 ounces of water every single day, and we get up and we're pushing the water, and that's all we think about. And I love this idea because you're making it a moment-to-moment -moment decision. You're mm -hmm. not making it something that feels very heavy. And I think a lot of times when we create a goal, especially if it's a big goal, we make it heavy, and we carry that whole goal, that entire 50 pounds we want to lose, that entire mm -hmm. thing we want to do, we carry it around on our back all day like a back. Do you mm -hmm. ladies relate to what I'm saying there? We carry oh, it around absolutely. like a backpack all day. Yeah. And so and this goal starts to feel heavy and it starts to feel undoable. And there is no celebration because we're waiting to celebrate the 50 pound loss, not right. that you drank some water. Right. And as mm -hmm. humans, we are just not programmed that way. We need that little feedback. We need those, I guess, micro accomplishments, for lack of a better term. And 
Good leads to more good. Bad leads to more bad. And when we start to fail on a goal and we feel poorly about ourselves, it just leads to other poor decisions. So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, doing one tiny good thing and that that gives you the motivation. It gives you the feeling. It, it makes you as a human being want to do the next good thing. And I think another way we may have heard this said before is take the next best step, do that one next best thing. And I think this is new in the world of goal setting. I mean, you ladies both, Christina, I know, mm-hmm. longtime goal setter. I think this breaking it down to these these just tiny little fractions, it's new for me, right? Mm-hmm. For you, Christina. I mean, we talk about the daily work. Yeah, mom- but this is a moment by moment. This is like really, uh, to me, and, and Julie, tell me if I'm wrong here, but to me, it sounds like you're living in the moment. Yeah. So it, it, it is like a lot like that. It is a yeah. lot like that. Dr. Fogg has something that we refer to as the the Fogg behavior model. And basically is behaviors equals your motivation, your ability, and your trigger. Here's the reality. When we start a diet, right? We we get into those pair of jeans and we're like, oh my God, they don't even sip up. I'm really motivated that I want to lose weight. So and say those three things that again. Motivation, behavior equals. Yeah. Behavior equals motivation, ab- e- uh, motivation, ability, and the trigger. Um, and the thing is, like our motivation typically is what we rely on for a behavior. And when we, when we first, like January 1st, everyone's super motivated. Everyone's and let's be like, clear, okay, motivation is an emotion. It's an yeah. emotion and that goes away. So if you're mm. trying to do something really hard and you have high motivation, okay, you stick it out. But as soon as your motivation leaves and you're trying to do something hard, um, it's actually, um, you know, like a, a Y axis that he he has. And, and I can definitely share it with you and, you, you know, you can share it with your listeners. But basically, the higher the motivation and the harder something is, you are in beneath the 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 medium line, right? But if you do a tiny action, like for me, the tiny action is fill up my water bottle. It doesn't take motivation to do it. It's like, okay, just fill up the water bottle. And that becomes so automated that then I'm doing the behavior, not because I feel motivated, but because it's automated. And that's mm-hmm. what we want. That's you know, the same thing with working not out. motivated. Yeah, yeah. I like that. So, so tell me this, because, you know, we were talking at the beginning of all these different habit books and stuff like that. And one of the things that I was wondering is, is this considered a micro habit type of journey or are those two things different? And I don't know if you know the answer, Julie, but you know, I'll let you. Yeah. I've heard people refer to micro habits and yes. So micro habits, I would say is similar to the tiny habits concept, but I, I, I think that in some places they may be interchangeable. I, that would be an interesting question. I'd have, and I actually have a training with Doctor Fogg later because he's so good about making sure his coaches are like, uh, you Love know, that. Trained, uh, up. Uh, trained up, right? And uh, yeah. so this is a great question. But for us, you know, when we and you know, so for instance, the other thing that he talks about is um, how habits are like plants; they grow, right? If you plant the mm-hmm. one, so for instance, for me, if I'm drinking my water throughout the day, guess what's going to happen? I'm gonna, I'm gonna be like, oh. Maybe I shouldn't have the cheeseburger. Maybe I'll just throw a salad together, right? And you start to go into other triggers. The habit becomes a trigger or or an anchor moment in which you create another tiny behavior, right? And, And that's how change happens because we continually start to feel good about what we're able to do. Um, you know, Dr. Fogg explains in the book that he began to see like he goes to the bathroom like most of us do and when he goes to the bathroom he decided that he was going to in the mornings first thing in the morning he wanted he's not good at he wasn't good at flossing his teeth okay and you know most of us like oh i have to struggle to get in there so what he decided to do is that in the morning after he went to the bathroom he would floss one tooth 
one tooth. That's all he's going for. And most people are like, oh, that Gail do is over anything. here saying, uh, no, because right. she has a teeth thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so what he started to do is he, on most days, he flosses every single one of his teeth. But right. he, his goal is always to only do the one tooth. And he never fails. He's never failing at getting his teeth flossed because. By the time he does the one, he's like, oh, I might as well keep going, right? Because it's right there. And that's that was the anchor. And that's That's the anchor. anchor. He's in the anchor is when he finishes his morning, he brushes his teeth in the morning or he's in the bathroom and does that. Then that's the anchor moment. Okay. Um, the other anchor moment, the other habit that he talks about in the book that he himself uses, and and actually I've modified it a little bit because I'm a girl, but um, when he goes to the bathroom in the morning or when he goes to the bathroom anytime throughout the day, then he does a push up. I don't do a push up because I don't want to get on the floor of my bathroom. I do a squat. <laughs> I do two squats. And guess what? That's brilliant. There's That's times brilliant. in which by the end of the day, I probably have done. And I'll do one or two, and sometimes I'll do 10. And by the time it's all said and done, I probably have done 30 to 40 squats throughout my day. Especially but if I'm woman, only doing we go to the one. Party a lot. Yeah. And if I'm only doing one, I'm hitting my goal. I'm like, oh, I'm golden. I, and, and that's really what happens. And I feel good about my oh, progress. I, I feel good about what I'm doing. And that's that's really what it's all about is feeling okay. good because feeling good creates Look change. at Christina's face. Julie, oh I think she is I, so I, I'm like, I'm all, I'm going to Google Dr. Um, <laughs> BJ Fogg later. I'm like, yeah. how can I get in on your course? No. <laughs> and, and, you know, so there's a couple different things. And every week we have a five-day um, free. It's it's free. He never charges, and you you can get a sign a tiny habits coach like me. But he does a oh, five wow. day challenge that you can sign up for if you go tinyhabits.com, and then the course is there, and then you can get a coach, or you can just reach out to me. But also the in Clubhouse, we host rooms weekly in the Tiny Habits Club, in which we have all this type of information and you can ask questions directly from uh, the guru himself or other tiny hobbits coaches. Oh, I'm so excited right Christina now. Christina is like clearing her calendar but I'm very to go excited. to the guru. Yeah. Well, you said something <sighs> when we were chatting about why you think something like this is so powerful for women in midlife. So let's talk about that <laughs> a little bit because, you mm-hmm. know, this midlife space is a time of upheaval. It's time of change. You know, a lot of women, their schedule and their habits have depended on the the child uh-huh. schedule, the school schedule, you know, right. I, I realized why I was no longer a slave to a school schedule or a school year, even though we homeschooled. That felt like the most freeing thing that could ever happen. Because once you have kids, you just <laughs> never see that changing. You're like the school schedule. So let's talk about why you think it's so powerful in this season. Yeah, for sure. So I think that, especially for me, right, I went through a transition. And I know that a lot of women and many of my clients who are also women in midlife find that as they're maybe leaving a job and starting their own business or shifting from what was before to the now, that they, you know, they have all this idea like, oh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And then they end up not doing it. They end up like, oh, where did they go? I didn't get the things done that I wanted to. But the biggest thing with tiny habits is that you can, you know, for instance, for productivity, one of the things that I teach my clients is um, it's not about like being overwhelmed by the task. But when you when I start my day, the first thing that I do is when I open my when I sit at my desk, which is my anchor moment, Mm. I open my calendar and I review my calendar. Now, I don't go in and, you know, make changes or, or what. All, my goal is just to have it open and, so that I understand what my day looks like. Um, the same thing with, and then I celebrate. I'm like, oh, go me. I open my calendar. And then if I have to, like, you know, do something else, then, then that's bonus. That's bonus action. The other thing, too, when, um, when I am doing, for instance, if I'm creating content for my clients, My goal is not that I'm going to write my whole entire content. I block out maybe an hour, 20 minutes, whatever it might be on my calendar. But my goal is only to write one sentence or open the document where I'm going to write. And then if once I accomplish that, 
And most of the time, by the time I'm like, oh, I wrote one sentence, let me keep going. And it keeps going. And if it doesn't, then that's fine. But I have that dedicated time within my day to be able to accomplish these things. And you, we work hand in hand with a calendar. I think that we have to create space for intentionality. When we mm. don't create the space for intentionality, especially someone like me that can be distracted by the shiny, then we end up losing sight of what's important. We set our goals. We set, um, we set our sight on something we want. But one, we don't break it down into smaller manageable steps. And two, now, Julie, we don't do the consistent big. work. I want to spend a little time on this because I've watched women yeah. – that set really big goals and <laughs> the goal itself becomes so overwhelming that they can't even start, mm -hmm. even though they really want to. And it's that they can't get that little toe hold. It's just uh -huh. like if you're climbing a mountain and I've always tried to explain, you know, you have to climb the mountain a little ways and get to a little bit of a plateau, <gasps> which is a celebration. Mm -hmm to be able to see your next place up the mountain. But people right, will stand right. at the bottom of the mountain and assess their ability to climb the entire thing. And the uh -huh. overwhelm of that makes them unable to yeah. put their it foot on the rock. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. And so I, I totally am buying into what you're saying here because I see women who are just, and women seem to be, and I'd love to get into this part of it, women to see seem to be particularly afflicted with this mm. almost constipation about starting to take that first yeah. step because they're so petrified. They're petrified of a lot of things. They're petrified what that what the cost is going to be. They're petrified mm -hmm. of not meeting the big goal. But how many of us have started a goal? And even if you don't get to the it, to the end, there's still growth, there's still progress, there's still mm -hmm. benefit, but we find ourselves unable to really see that. We just beat ourselves up about not meeting the big goal. So again, I, I can see what you're saying here because you're having this series of wins, this series of celebrations, this series of accomplishments, and right. you know that works on our psyche in a different way than when it's all or nothing. And we often see things as yeah. all or nothing, but what people fail mm -hmm. to realize is that even when we start a journey on a big goal, if we just go part of the way, then the next time we start, we may can start at a further point down the road. We don't mm -hmm. have to go all the way back mm -hmm. to the beginning. And we don't celebrate that. We don't give us ourselves any good feedback for that. We're just, oh, I didn't make mm -hmm. it. I didn't do it. And so I'm totally loving because I think this is something that's been in place and we didn't have language for. We didn't have understanding of. Um, mm -hmm. So. Let's talk about that first step because that is where people don't quit because it gets too hard. They they don't yep. start is a lot of the time. So let's talk so about that first let step. Me, let me tell you a little bit, uh, you know, because mm -hmm. I think that, well, first, and this is the one thing that, you know, if, if I were coaching someone in this situation, the first thing that I tend to ask them is, what are you making it mean about you that you don't achieve this goal? Or that Ooh. what what will it mm. mean about you if you achieve this goal? And I think that a lot of times, especially for us women, we define ourselves by we're moms, we're wives, we're this, we're that. And then when there's a goal and we're saying, hey, we if I achieve this, for instance, for with me with my weight loss, right? Oh, if I lose weight, then it means that I am successful at this at this endeavor. I'm successful at that, reaching that destination. But it's not about that. It's about the person we become on the way to the destination. The mm. person that has, to, that you have to embody, right? I have to, I may not be the person in the best shape at the, when, you know, when I start the journey, like I, I, I'm a yoga teacher, I'm a certified yoga teacher. But when I started that, I, didn't start being a, a, a you know, a, a accomplished yogi. I started in, but I had to be willing to embody what I wanted to become. And also I had to be willing to be uncomfortable because as someone who carries extra weight, 
you know, I may not do downward dog like the person next to me that's 100 pounds less, or I may not be the person who can, you know, not get winded at doing certain things, but I had to be willing to do it and not make it mean that I was less than for not being where my eventual um, destination was. And that's where a lot of women get stuck, that they're looking at the big picture and there are... They are creating a script for how they should be without reminding themselves that it's okay to be uncomfortable in the process of becoming. Mm, I like that. It's okay to be uncomfortable in the process of becoming. Well, it's just like your weight loss. Had you have only lost mm-hmm. yeah. 35 pounds, would that be a failure? Yeah. Heck no, that's not a failure. No. You would... Not at all. So Julie, why is it... And you tell me if this is out of order because my brain's bopping around everywhere on this a little bit. (laughs) Why is it so easy to create a bad habit versus a good habit? Because I got a lot of bad habits. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to tell you all here. I will tell you. No, I I can share. I you know we can make a list and you know evaluate these. But I have several bad habits. But I think that we if we have an easier time one because it becomes automated to do that right and and also we our brain we go into this protection. Our brain's job is to protect us. Our brain's job is to. Um, run away from the things that put us out of our comfort zone. Many habits that serve us require us to change. So for instance, I'll give you an example for me. Um, and, and this is not, you know, my proudest moment. And, and, and But again, it's what you make it mean, right? So for me, one of my bad habits is that at times when I'm feeling down, I will just say, you know what? I'm just going to plop in front of Netflix and just do that. Even if I have stuff to do, even if I have is this bad? things that I want to accomplish, going, right? Is that bad? Is that bad? It's not bad. It's it's just but the way I, at times, I check out. Yeah. It's a check it's out. A check yeah, out. That's it's my check out. Yeah. It's a buffering day fiance. Yes. Check out. Yeah. Yeah, it's a check out. <laughs> right. my, it's a check my, out. But you know, you know, I have to say this, Julie. I used to do a lot of checking out and and I just came through this new season of life. And Gail knows, you know, my my season has been definitely interesting in this midlife space. And I'm kind of on the other side of it. And mm-hmm. now I'm excited to do what I'm doing. And I don't know, it's like a revival of my soul and my spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I can plop myself in front of the TV for an hour. I did it last night, an hour. And then I was like, okay, go back to work now, you know? And it was just that little break. I'm not there. Congratulations. You know what? There's nothing wrong. I will watch the same show more than once. And 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 I think here's the thing, Gail. And I think that in taking both of your examples, there's nothing wrong. You know, if if I'm gonna decide, you know what? I have nothing on the calendar and I have it and I, I have done everything I need to do. Have nothing on the calendar. When, I will clear the yeah. calendar for 90 day fiance just to be, just to be open. <laughs> or Bridgeton. Or Bridgeton. So I'm going to oh have to maybe go in there and like check it out. Sunday but night, I like last night it. was the tell all. I was just like, oh. get my snack and head to the television. It was not just a, it was a plan. You talk about a habit. It but was a full on it's an plan. automated behavior for you. It's an automated it was. for you. And I think that this is what happens a lot of times. Um, you know, this is what I call the white noise of life. We mm. live in the place in which things, um, so for instance, if we are sad, we overeat. If we are uh, tired, we overeat. If we are bored, we overeat. If we're happy. In, <laughs> if we're happy, we overeat. But that's a behavior because it allows us to then um, tune out what may really be going on when we're sad. It helps us tune out. I'll give you an example from my life. And this is some of the work. And again, as a coach, I work with a coach because I know mm-hmm. that I am never going to be a better coach unless I work through my own crap. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I have I to do that. And Agreed. for me, 
overeating, right? Why am I overeating? Well, because it becomes a natural progression. When I am really stressed, it is very easy for me to go and find some chips and salsa and sit here in chips and salsa mindlessly. But what is really happening is that if I'm really stressed, I may be thinking there, there's a lot of thoughts and behaviors going on that I'm not processing, that I'm just kind of stifling, pushing down. And that has been, you know, and, and, and that is giving me that dopamine hit. Oh my gosh. Of Julie, the food. You like, just read so my yummy. mind. My next question yeah. was going to be about dopamine. And I'm like sitting here mm-hmm. waiting to ask it. And you said it, that is, it's a little bit <gasps> creepy, but it seems like <laughs> we're craving that dopamine hit and we're going to get one way or the other. But what you're saying is we can get that same dopamine hit by having an achievement, by doing the right thing, by doing, filling up the water bottle. Is that what you're, is that where you're going with this? Absolutely. So yes, and I will say there's nothing wrong with finding alternative dopamine hits that serve you, but I want to encourage people that at times... You need to just sit in the mm-hmm. discomfort of the moment. Yeah. And oh, be Julie. because just like you would with a with a with a toddler. Yep. We yep. you know, you would tell a toddler, no, sorry, you can't have any more of that. Or we're Do- going to have dinner later, right? Or you yeah. would say, Don't do that. And then the toddler will be annoyed and cry and throw a well, tantrum. And sometimes we need to just sit and sit. know that that's what needs to happen. And for me, eating takes my mind away from the, you know, maybe the, the, the times in which I don't feel enough or I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't see uh, myself in the best light. Or when I speak to myself, you know, I think that our negative self-talk is so prominent and we don't notice it because we've been doing it. Think of the times that you do something wrong and you're like, oh my God, you're such a dumbass, right? I, I say that to myself all the time. But yeah. why can't I show up and say, okay, Julie, you're learning this. Try it again. Or Julie, yeah. it's okay to fail. You know, you're not, you're not a dumbass. <laughs> you're a work in progress or whatever it is. Hi, friends. Let me tell you about Viome, a full body intelligence test, the most advanced holistic health test currently available to consumers and first of its kind to analyze three key areas of your health as a whole, gut microbiome, oral microbiome, and cells to give you a holistic view of the functions in your body to keep you healthy. This test offers deep insight into the inner workings of your body in order to provide the most comprehensive interpretation of what your body needs when it comes to food and supplements. And here is where you can find it www.viome.com slash products slash full body intelligence and receive your $50 off savings by entering in promo code MOXIE50. If you're struggling with occasional bloating, poor digestion, low energy, fatigue, feelings of anxiousness, brain fog, difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep, bad breath or poor dental health, you'll want to check it out today. So go and get your Viome at Viome.com, Moxie 50. Hey, it's Gail here. And one of the things I've noticed in midlife is thinning of my hair and greater hair loss when I'm in the shower or bathtub. Well, our friends over at Mojo Wellbeing have come again with new products to treat exactly those issues. One is their hair thickening treatment. You put a few drops on your scalp and rub them in. It can work while you're sleeping. It contains polypeptides and it helps moisturize the scalp and nourish for healthy roots of hair that looks thinning and may be fragile. And then they have their moisturizing hair oil. You know how the ends of your hair get knotty and dry? Mine has really increased, you know, during menopause. This makes it feel so great with ingredients like argan oil and phytosqualane. So go to MyMojoWellbeing.com, MyMojoWellbeing.com, use your discount code MOXIE15 and get a discount off these and their other great products for menopause and beyond.
If you walked around on pool decks and in the sand all summer, wearing those cute little sandals and going barefoot, then your feet may look like mine and they may need a little love and care. In comes Sandbar Hand Care. This is a special foot file that will get rid of those calluses on those feet and leave them feeling smooth. So if you're crawling into bed at night and the heels of those feet are catching on the sheets, go order yours now. This metal file gently buffs away that dead skin. It removes just enough to really make a difference but not leave your feet sore. And it even comes with a salve to apply after you've gotten rid of that dead skin. I'm already thinking of who I'm getting this for Christmas. They sent us one to try and I fell in love immediately. And mine's even pink. How could you go wrong here? So ladies, head over to sandbarhandcare.com. That's sandbarhandcare.com. And use the code MOXIE15 and you'll get a discount on your order. And all those gifts that you pick up for the holidays. Now back to the show. Julie, I love that you said that sometimes we have to sit in it because for an Enneagram 7, and you're an Mm -hmm. Enneagram 7, it's really hard for us to sit in our stuff. Uh, And I I tell my therapist this all the time. It's like there is this void that I'm Mm. always trying to fill because I don't want to look at all of the other stuff that this is just uncomfortable. Yeah, for sure. It's just totally uncomfortable. But you know, I've been going through this um, this therapy, this intense therapy, and man, it is such a difference for me to be able to say, mm-hmm. "Okay, I'll sit in it. I may not like it, but it's right. kind of like almost um, a, a weight lifted mm-hmm. because I was willing to just sit, and then I operate better in my daily and professional life, right? right? So not just in your personal Absolutely. life, but in your professional <clears throat> life too. Yeah. And, and you know, like I, I think of, we had this conversation yesterday with my husband uh, uh, on our podcast, but um, think of Will Smith, right? I don't even know what kind of anagram he is. I'm not going to talk mm-hmm. about right, wrong, whatever. But there was something that happened that immediately he went into a primal moment in which he needed to behave. Mm -hmm. There was some thought because our thoughts drive our behavior. And -hmm. rather than sitting in the discomfort or, you know, whatever was going on, he needed to take action on that thought. The same thing. If I am thinking I am awful, like I should be ashamed of myself. And shame is one of the, one of the feelings that I, I I have that's like my biggest trigger shame. Uh, if if I don't do something right, then I go back to the shame, and I you know we could spend all day exploring that. But that and and when I eat is because I don't want to feel that shame, mm-hmm. right? So sitting in and and it's not about necessarily just sitting. Oh, let me just sit here and feel shameful and like you know beat myself up. But it's like acknowledging like oh Julie, look at that. You know that thing is making you feel shame, and it's it, your and your brain is trying to protect you by wanting to have some chips and salsa, because you're not going to think about that feeling, and it's okay, it's okay that you know you don't have to feel ashamed, but you are feeling it, right? And then you can start to as you acknowledge your your what you're thinking and feeling then you can actually start to change some of the behavior um, in, in tiny habits is a good way of doing so. At least it's, it's something that has worked for me, but um, there's so many different levels, right? Like we try to change the most immediate behavior without going to the mm. root. Yep. You know, All the Julie, time. I think that's our culture though. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. We want that instant gratification. Mm-hmm. We want it's to change culture, it up here and we're sure. doing nothing about it down here. Right. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking about the amount of control that this gives you over your day mm-hmm. rather than just being on that autopilot or cruise control mm-hmm. that right. when it's broken down into a lot of tiny decisions that are small, doable decisions how that leads to a day that is successful and a day that works um, versus a day that's just spent on autopilot that we get to the end of and have regrets. There's something I hear you saying about that slowing down. 
Yeah. So, so, and and I'm actually going to um, shift the language a little bit, Gail, because I think that yes, this is what I want do. people to. So, it, yes, you do get an opportunity to make tiny decisions, but ultimately, you want to automate all your decisions that are tiny, because so that does is what then creates your momentum. When you yeah. start this process, you you have to read. You have to go through a period where you create those automated yeah, situations, for sure. automated your, moments. <clears throat> yeah, Tell your us brain about will that. automate. Tell us about, like, I was really interested in how long it took you to adopt the system and how long, how long does it take you to stack up enough that really make a big difference in your life? Well, you know, I think that it varies for everyone. And I think that the biggest thing is that, and, and this is, again, if you've heard me anywhere, you, you've you heard me say this, consistent action gets you traction. Most of us want to fill a bucket by opening the spout and just letting it run. But what ends up happening is our behavior drops the bucket, kicks the bucket, bucket and then the water spills. The reality is that if we are just putting the bucket under the spout <clears throat> and allowing it to fill one bucket at a time, the bucket is going to fill. And it's not about, you know, um, how fast, but it's about how well it's getting full. The other thing too, is that when it comes to this behavior, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. When I was, um, tra- I went, I went away, um, to Florida about two weeks ago with my husband and we were on a very late, flight that got even later. And everybody, it's two in the morning, we're at the airport, haven't even taken off, and I had to go to the bathroom. And people are cranky, crabby, and they're in the bathroom. And I go to the bathroom, I come out, I wash my hands, and guess what I did? I was doing my squats. Why? Because it's an automated behavior. I'm in the middle of Boston Logan Airport doing squats at two in the morning. And it wasn't just one, it was a whole bunch. Why? Because I've automated the behavior. And I... I, it, it's just that type of thing. And yes, I didn't sit down and make the decision, but no, my brain just went into like, I'm washing my hands. Okay, let me sing the happy birthday song and I'm going to squat. That's what so, happens. So Julie, it sounds like you're making, and I don't know if you have, or if Dr. Fogg talks about this, but it sounds like you're making new neural pathways in your brain. Of course. Yeah, that's exactly and, what you're doing. Yeah, and you're like reprogramming and yes. and saying, okay, it's okay. We're we're going to make a new path now. And mm-hmm. I love that about our like science and our brain function. I think it's right. so cool that we have the ability. It's, it gives to us hope. Rewrite stories, of yes, course. And absolutely. you're not going to be able to erase the old neural pathways, but you're right. going to override them with new ones. Yes, and that's oh, what it's all about. This. That's what it's all about. And I think that if you are trying to stop a habit, right, like we talked about, you're not going to delete it. That's programmed in your brain. But you can always create new pathways, new so pathways that, that key, allow Julie, you to feel. rather than stopping something is starting something yeah. else, a replacement yeah, to the bad habit? Yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Mm. Like during the time. So for instance, again, during the pandemic, we reverted to old behavior here in Casa de Collins. We (laughs) went back to um, having ice cream after dinner. And guess what? That's, that's great. I love ice cream. It's my favorite dessert, but it, it's not supporting my life. Right. So now what I do is I, um, put the dishes in the dishwasher. Oh, That's we my do. Well, I, I'm I just think. Well, let me let me say this. I think that the reason, and I'm I'm not a doctor, and I have no scientific scientific background here, but I'm just speculating that it's probably because we were not recognizing how much pain <sighs> we were in. Yes, being 100%. away from people. Well, and we didn't and, know and our not triggers. Only that, but the, right. the, we were triggered right. into a lot of different things. Right. There was the, our, our amygdalas were in overdrive, protection. Mm-hmm. What's going on? How long? Will yeah. I get it? Will I die? Will the people that I love die? What about my job? What about this? And there were so many questions. I just crave yeah. something that feels good. When things are really bad, Yeah, it's like, sure. okay, this feels really bad and this is really sad and this is really impacting our lives. And so that's normal. I've got to find something that feels good. Now, would it have felt good to exercise? <laughs> yes, in the long term. But I was working in that moment and I'm working in right. my grief and my, 
you know, upset. But so, your brain was telling you, hey, the cupcake is so much tastier than like sweating away. Now, mind you, when we exercise, we do feel good, but we tell ourselves a story. It's going to be hard. Oh, my God, mm-hmm. I have to put my shoes on. Oh, what am I going to do? <laughs> so then we go through this hole and we make a big story. Today, I actually had to run an errand at the bank. And I'm like, ugh, I hate going to the bank. So, oh, girl, my God, me too. I can't take it. <laughs> like, I'm going to have to get out of the car because I don't have a uh-huh. drive through I have to go in. Uh-huh. It took yep. me two minutes. Oh, my gosh. They make it so easy. They have, like, they don't even, ha- you don't even have to see the teller. I was depositing cash. I didn't have a check. I didn't have a thing. All I did was put my little money in the ATM. They counted it. I'm like, oh, this is so easy. But I, we tell ourselves stories of how hard things are going to be. Oh, and Julie, ultimately, that's so true. I'm thinking we about have that term to, trigger like, Remind too, ourselves. Yeah, Because you know sure. what I'm thinking about? My dog. My dog. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> okay, I'm thinking what? if my dog can do this, you know, I can yeah. do this. If he can perceive triggers and create habits, like mm-hmm. he knows one of his triggers is when my husband gets his running shoes or I get my hokas out. Because he knows what that means. And he is triggered by that. And he, when he sees that trigger, he prepares himself to go on the W-A-L-K. And yes, we have to spell Mm -hmm. it because he's nearby. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Same here in this house. Same. So I'm confident that we as humans can (laughs) have some positive things associated with triggers, you know, other than it's Sunday night and it's time for 90 Day Fiance. So I get excited. People have to find the moments. Do the behavior that you are already doing, Gail. Do the behavior that you're already doing and then pair up the new thing that you want to create next to that behavior. Oh, that's good. So give us an example of that. Is that like going back to your morning? Yeah. So, well, let me give you my nighttime um, trigger, right? I was doing ice cream and because we're watching television and whatnot. So now when I put my dishes in the dishwasher, I automatically hit the button for the hot water for tea. So my, my prompt or my trigger is put dishes in the dishwasher, turn on the kettle. And then as I'm cleaning up the kitchen, my water is done. And then before going back to the living room to watch television, I have a cup of tea. So I am I am changing the behavior, right? Now, sometimes I don't drink the tea. I don't even make the tea. I just turn on the water. But and I go off in, you know, get sidetracked with something else and I'm not having the ice cream, but instead of putting the dishes in the dishwasher and put taking out a bowl to get ice cream, I'm changing the behavior right then and there. You know, I so think there's too, a difference. That we underestimate That's powerful. just how much a little habit can change things. Mm-hmm. Like for me, mm-hmm. I have this thing about not leaving any dirty dishes in the sink at night. Drives me yep. nuts. Oh, me too. And for the most, most of the time, it's just my husband I hear. So we don't have a lot of dishes, but like I will go in there and wash one spoon just because it's, I want it completely clean. Yeah. But the satisfaction that you get when you get up in the morning and your kitchen is perfectly clean, there's no dirty dishes, that payoff is so worth that tiny habit. Mm -hmm. And it was so Mm -hmm. little. It was so little to just finish those last few dishes. And I started doing that at night. And so I can see what you're saying because I have created this nighttime routine. There's like this point where I get up and kind of lock all the doors and let the dog out for the last time and, um, you know, start to turn off lights and prepare for for night, you know, for actual sleep. And part of that is to tidy up the kitchen and finish those dishes. Yeah. And that has become such an automated thing for me to do. There's times I almost walk away from it. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. stay the course. And it, like you say, it has become so automated that it now feels worse to not do it. Oh, like for when sure. I had, and and um, we missed COVID it because a few we've automated ago, that. It was harder for me. And so... I can see how we can retrain and make that automation. Mm -hmm. And so if we could do that in so many areas to where the bad behavior felt, felt odd to us rather than the good Mm -hmm. behavior, gosh, we would have won half the battle there. Oh, and, 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 you know, Gail, you know, you and Christina are, are really 
creating an environment in which women can start to see what is possible for themselves. Mm. And if we can just, all of us, start to believe and believe and live in the possibilities, then we can start to slowly, day by day, create new habits, create new simple things that we can do. That example of like even washing the one spoon, you know, we, the reality is we, we tell again ourselves like, oh, what does it matter? It's only one spoon. Well, it does matter because it matters in the morning when you come down, right. Especially. Oh, it matters to me. I, I'm with you. You could girl, say, well, I you've only got one same. spoon, but I am kind of yeah. an all or nothing girl. And I love saying there's not a single dish. That's like my, that yeah. gives me a dopamine hit that I know. And I imagine now I know this falls under that whole martyrdom thing and I'm, I'm totally making this up in my head, but I'm imagining when my husband gets up before me in the mornings and walks downstairs that he just says, I have the best wife on the planet. Look at this amazing <laughs> kitchen. And I know that's not what happens, but in my brain, that's what I'm telling myself happens. <laughs> I know it's well, a little distorted, but I'm just going to keep telling myself that. I love that you say that because I think that, you know, we we have the ability to not only be able to influence how we feel, but we have the ability to influence how others um you know, encounter and, and and no, we cannot make them feel in any way, but we can definitely ripple for them. Like, think mm. about it. If he doesn't see any dishes in the sink, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to like, what is it that he is going well, to be able like to do? I just feel like his day starts better when he can come down and of get course. coffee and do his little thing. And, yeah. you know, that it just, it feels good and fresh and yeah, I don't so, know. It's kind so of sure. silly, but it works for me. <laughs> It, it so works Julie, in this house too, so I get it. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so cute. Well, let let me ask you this, Julie. Obviously, you use this personally and professionally. <laughs> what is the success rate for your clients? Like, you know, it, how long does it take them to adapt to this system? Yeah, what, so it varies from uh, person I mean, to it, person. I'm sure it does, but you know, there's always. I, I like to say that there's always this. Um, uh, bell curve that people kind mm -hmm. of fall under. And then you have outside the bell curve, right? So the majority of people, can we just categorize them like yeah. that? The majority of your clientele, what, how long does it take them? What is their, so it depends know, on what you're trying better? to, yeah, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. It depends on what your habits and what your goals are. Um, but I can tell you, for instance, someone who's never heard of tiny habits, and decides yeah. to do the five day course, five days, and it take it takes less than five minutes a day. By the end of the week, they're pretty successful at implementing three new recipes in their life. Wow, they're I, I would say that's pretty good. I, I tip. We we you know I what I love about twenty to thirty it's not people all or nothing. Because yeah. I know not like, all or nothing, hey, and it's a new way of thinking. Are everything. Or right. there's, you're seen as a failure. And this sounds like something yeah. where even if you created one new habit, the next mm -hmm. week you it's created a another yeah. one. Yeah. Am I correct and that's that it doesn't exactly have to be an all it. in, that it's going to be an accumulation? Yeah. And you know what? And, and, and this is what we do is that if you, for instance, created a habit and it's not working, then the system itself and the framework allows you to really go back and say, oh. Let me see why isn't it working? Is is the trigger or the prompt strong enough? Is what I'm trying to accomplish mm. small enough? Is do I really want to be the kind of person who does uh, squats or push-ups every day or flosses their teeth? Right? You have to go back and analyze, and it allows you to analyze the behavior and what you're trying to accomplish in such a small way that you can create that change. Um, with all of my clients, when we, you know, for most of them, they're trying to build businesses. Um, I have one in particular that is having a great deal of success. She texted me last week and she said, oh my God, I just got the highest paying client I've ever gotten. And it was not because, you know, she went and, you know, did a hundred different things, but one, she was consistent. And two, she was working on having conversations with people. And that meant that she was going to network 
And it's not about, oh, you're going to, you know, reach out to 100 people per day. No, her job, her tiny habit is that she was going to open LinkedIn. That's it. Mm. Guess what? Once LinkedIn was open, then she can see who she can connect with and comment or have a conversation, connect with people. And and it it became sort of that snowball effect. Yeah. And, and really, for our life, we, again, are so focused on results. And there's nothing wrong with results. But you have to always know what the process is. And if you focus on the process, you're going to get results. And you have to give yourself the grace that if the process is not working, it's okay to revise it. And it's okay to figure out where the revisions need to come in. You know, I love this, Julie, Mm. because I'm thinking about, you know, this setup of we go about it all wrong by setting this really big goal rather than just setting the small goal because a lot of us will exceed the small goal. Like if I say I'm going to do one lap around my neighborhood, Mm -hmm. many times I will go farther. Of course. But if I set myself up saying I'm going to go two miles, I start talking myself into ways to not do the entire two miles. Yeah. For sure. Because that felt bad and scary. But if we start with something mm-hmm. small and we exceed that, gosh, how does that change the conversation and the the um, chemicals in our brain when we're yeah. doing more than we set out to, where we're doing more than expected rather than constantly disappointing ourselves and telling ourselves that we are less than or we didn't meet the goal. So I can see how this 100%. can just really add up to some success yeah. in all areas of our lives. So, so I'm, I'm going to share with you the one habit that I encourage everybody to start off with. And this is the okay, one good. that uh, okay, Dr. Fogg encourages, to, to, encourages to, us, you to start off with. It is called the Maui habit. And this helps to really reframe. It helps you to reframe your mindset. So the first thing that you're going to do is when you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, because we all have to move from the bed and put our feet on the ground, right? So that's your anchor moment. Then you're going to tell yourself it's going to be a great day. And then you celebrate. And I usually, you know, because I'm half asleep, I'm like, oh, yay, good job. It's going to be a great day. And I typically say, I typically tell my dogs, um, <laughs> I love that. I, I say, boys, it's going to be a great day. Yeah. <laughs> and then I give myself a thumbs up, a high five or smile. And, um, and then that's how I start my day. And it really is a way to start to framing um, how to be able to move forward, how to be able to begin to create the traction that you want for your life. Because yeah, see, I if see you're starting going off wrong, in a positive ladies. way. In the beginning yeah. of my day, it's Rub Ranger's little belly some more and he moans <laughs> and we decide to just keep sleeping. That's how I, this is my micro <laughs> habit is Pat Ranger's right. belly. So I'm being triggered That's by the so soft funny. furry belly. So I could see it's how I'd be putting my feet on the floor and telling Ranger it's going to be a great day might change things. Oh my gosh, Julie, I am so excited to dive into this more. I've started the book on my Audible. And Yay. it's, again, Tiny Habits by Dr. B.J. Fogg. It's F-O-G-G. Yep. And Julie is a certified Tiny Habits coach. So, Julie, if someone reads the book and they want to work with you, how do they get in touch yeah, with you? how do they do that? Sure. I am Julie DeLuca Collins and all of the socials, but they can reach me at Go Confidently Coaching and... GoConfidentlyCoaching.com. They can either shoot me a message using the website or they can set up a 15-minute appointment. I'm also happy to send them my list of tiny habits for productivity and they can just start to implement those. I give you the recipes so that you are able to then start to implement those in your life and it's easy enough to do. Or you can also go into tinyhabits.com and you can participate on the free five-day challenge. And it, it's five days starting on each Monday. Uh, You will be assigned a coach that works with you and do the habits. It takes less than five minutes a day to be able to check in. If you do the free five-day challenge, can you choose you as the coach or you're just assigned a random? You have to, you have to just, you'll get a random coach, but if you want to work with me in the tiny days habit, then I can add you to the program. You just send me a message on my website and I can add you. 
Cool. Well, I'm yeah. totally stoked about this. I'm going to get back into the book. I started in ahead of your um, appearance here, so I could be well, somewhat knowing what I'm talking about. And, you know, I think in this world of self-help and growth, there's always something new. But this seems mm. like something that we can all easily embrace on some level, whether you just create one new habit a day or a hundred, whether it's personal or professional, no matter your personality type, this seems like something that could just benefit everyone to take on this approach. So I'm so glad you came and shared it with us today, Julie. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. I really love having this conversation of brain science Enneagram sevens, habits. You got to come back. 90 Day Fiance. I, yeah, definitely. I need to watch come it back. before I come back so we, we can have a good conversation on it. We need to do the brain science behind the people who <laughs> yes. go on a show like 90 yes. Day Fiance. Yeah. How about that? For sure. For well, sure. Julie, we That's really so appreciate good. your time and expertise. And we hope you'll come back. We hope you'll write some for our blog. We'd love to hear from you over on the midlifemoxie.net yeah. blog. Yeah, we'd love that. I love that. It's one of my favorite things to do. So for sure, I'm going to put it on my list and uh, start working with my tiny habits to get that done. Oh, awesome. I love that. So I'm going to go create some tiny habits. And Christina, how do we end every show? Mm, you're going to go and get your moxie on. With tiny habits. <laughs> Yay, with, with tiny, tiny habits. habits. Until next <laughs> time, bye-bye. <laughs> bye, everyone. Bye.